Welcome to the Recruiter Ricky podcast with me, Ricky Martin, on behalf of Hyper Recruitment Solutions. This podcast has one simple vision. We want to help you get hired and we want to help you get hired more successfully. To do so, I'm going to interview a number of business heavyweights who have set up companies, grown companies, but most importantly, developed and supported their talent to do so. They've looked at numerous amount of CVs, conducted an extreme amount of interviews, and onboarded a number of candidates into their companies throughout that process. Firstly, if we can establish who they are and what they do, we can then secondly look for what stands out in a CV. What do they look for when they're interviewing? And how does a candidate actually act to be the candidate they thought they were during the interview? So enough about me, enough about this podcast. Let's go over to one of my guests now to unearth more secrets, more tips, more advice on how to get hired. Hi everyone, it's Ricky Martin here. This is the Recruiter Ricky How to Get Hired podcast series two. We are in the lockdown session of the podcast and I've been... Um, I'm being joined by a guest that I've been trying to get on the podcast for a little while, actually. So finally, she said yes. Um, but we have Lucy B from the brand Lucy B, which is a number of nutritional beauty and skincare products. Um, interestingly, an entrepreneur who set up a company the same year as I did in 2012. So Lucy, welcome to the podcast. Hello, thank you for having me. I'm, I'm glad I've locked your time down at last. Yeah, I know. It's been a while, hasn't it? <laughs> it has been a while, but it's series two, which means we've got a bigger following now. And I think your story is, uh, I don't say this in a way to kind of butter anyone up because people always hear this as an entrepreneur. Your story is inspirational, but I don't say that like everybody throw that. You've, you're in a competitive marketplace and in a short period, you've made a great mm -hmm. impact. And that to me is an inspiration. Um, so I'd love to hear a little bit more about your story. And then what I'd like to do is looking at that story, try and relate it to people because you've had mm -hmm. to work with other people to get to the success that you are. Yeah. And there's some people close to home you do that with. And there's some well-known faces that you do that as well. So I think the story is great. So for the benefit of all of our listeners slash viewers, mm -hmm. for those that might look at the visual side of this, do you want to just tell us a little bit more about the Lucy B story? Yeah. So Lucy B started in 2012 um, it's a family business and my dad and I started it and um, the reason for starting it is because as a family we were very much into our health wellness and I'm a celiac so when I was 18 months old I was really poorly I went from apparently being like a really happy baby to really unhappy um, having loads of issues in and out of hospital and growing up I was very aware of what I was putting into my body um, I actually had my own beauty business and we were using coconut oil all the time. Um, I was using it for massage, facials, hair, hair oils and other treatments. And my family were using it for cooking. So we, we really struggled with where to get good quality coconut oil from. The ones we were using in plastic, um, the quality was okay, but not great. And it was really expensive. So my dad and I sort of had a brainstorm and said about bringing out... Um, a product to the market which was fair trade organic in glass jars um, and you know and we decided to call it Lucy B so that's where the actual name comes from because a lot of people question why it's sort of named after me um, and we're now going is it eight eight years eight years yeah eight years, eight years. Um, and we've got like a full range of fair trade uh, grocery products and now uh, launched a skincare range and the interesting that you make it sound so in a way, so easy. 
Uh, and what I mean by that is oh, eight years on, we've got all of these products, but it's not easy to do what you've done in a competitive mm -hmm. marketplace, particularly as you say, there were a couple of products in what you did that were really expensive. And dare I say, there are consumers out there, myself included, were probably mm -hmm. uneducated on, well, why would we use coconut oil, which to some is either a bit odd or to some mm -hmm. a bit expensive when I've got another traditional option. So yeah. how were you able to convince your consumers? Because it was a big thing to do for people to move over to such a product like that. For us, we actually undercut the two that were on the market um, and we were the best quality on the market. But yeah, I'll go back to that, saying it was in the early days, I, as I, I had my own beauty business and I actually did that for two years into Lucy B. Um, so my dad was doing like the sort of uh, financial side of it and I was running the social media. And at the beginning, it was actually a part-time business for my dad and a part-time business for me. So in between clients, I was replying to people on social media. I was chatting to my dad after work and we were really coming up with different ideas on how to sort of move it forward and I think where we were different was in the early days I was well as I am now I used Twitter and even though it was a jar of coconut I never planned to have my face anywhere I was replying to customers as myself I was having a laugh with them and really engaging in them I think something that I've always found I've had and this is why I love doing beauty was I've got good customer service so even if we had five followers I would go back to them every week see how they're getting on give them a new recipe to try and I really engaged with people and I think people saw past the fact that we were a coconut oil jar and we started getting more followers from that so I think that sort of really helped in customers believing in what we had to say because I spent the time educating them telling them about the products putting out free content we've always given out free content to people because mm. I'd rather them use a product than buy it once and it grows dust you know yeah. I want people to get the most out of stuff so I think that's what converted people from okay you know even the fact that it's a healthy fat like people started to know that and the importance of it so rather than just using cheaper frying options actually I'm getting the benefits of these good fats they're not only good for my me internally they'll give me energy they're good for my hair and my skin so I think that really showed through social media and people started to buy the products and obviously recommendations for their friends and family. Well, I think there's nothing more important than as a consumer, you want to, yes, you want a product that works. Absolutely, mm -hmm. you do. You want to understand the product. And I think these days you want to be able to relate to it. So the fact that you've been able to add a story to that, and I don't yeah. mean IG stories, which you, which you, which you do a lot now, but actually yeah. at the time you put a story, you put a face on the product. Mm -hmm. um, uh, you're going to probably laugh at me saying this, but Mr. Kipling might have a name, but I've never spoken to or interacted yeah. with a Mr. Kipling when I buy those cakes, right? Yeah. So in a way, what you've done is you've made it relatable to consumers yeah. um, and you've embraced the world of social media, which I know a lot of people try and do now. But in 2012, yes, I mean, that was the year I, when I set up the business, I actually went on Twitter for the first time. Yeah. Um, I didn't really know what that was, but it was the time where those things were starting to be used very, very well to, mm -hmm. to interact. I mean, how were you able to... You say if you just had five followers, you were able to interact with those five, provide yeah. free content stories. How did you able to get that following? Because if you, if you look at yourself, you've now got 150,000 plus followers on your Instagram before we look mm -hmm. at your other. How did you able to scale up your following in order to get your product out to more consumers? It was doing content daily. So even yeah. though, it, to be honest, I cringe more now that I've got more followers and the engagement's rubbish than then. Like at that time, I was just doing it because I actually really enjoyed it. It was kind of a document. Yeah. It was me documenting our new business. It was quite exciting telling people about the products. But as I said, like before, we used um, fitness people or other people or nutritionists to actually be the face of the brand. So it would yeah. be their name and their bio because I never planned to have my face anywhere. I know that looks very different now because I'm everywhere, but I never had the confidence. I didn't 
think I was good enough to be the face of it, even though it was my story, which is, it's just, I was, I was 22 when it started. So I think I was kind of in a weird place, you know, with, with my sort of self uh, yeah. belief or, you know, what I thought of myself. But what we did was, I think people, you know, talk, customers talking to um, their personal trainers. So personal trainers that uh, got in touch, I'd always send them a jar um, because then they'll talk to all their customers yeah. in the gym and um, nutritionists. We used to send out so much free product. We did a 12 label scheme. So if you bought uh, 12 coconut oils, we'll send you a free jar. So it was getting that sort of brand loyalty to us. And I think just constantly daily putting on different content getting back to everyone, even people who said they were unwell, I would write their name down in my notebook. And like two weeks later, or whatever it was, if they had an exam, I'll, I'll message them saying, good luck with your exam. And it was like the beginning. I think it's key to get that. And I still try and do mm. that now to this day with certain things. If, a, if, for instance, a male customer has bought the skincare, I want to follow up because he's asked me loads of questions. He's really intrigued. He wants to try it. He wants to see the benefits to his skin. And he's He's actually really taken interest in this. So I'll follow it up to make sure that they're happy yeah. with it. Is there anything I can help with? And I really do think that sort of customer service base, if you're doing social media, is so important and actually invest in time. It's not just about great content. It's actually about the after effect of your followers or your customers and listening to them. Um, so I think that's really how it grew. And then influencers got on board and um, celebrities were using it. Um, Joe Wicks, um, the body coach, it was, he, it was early on when he... He was actually started around the same time and yeah. he was using the products. He was growing followers really quickly. Um, and we had so many rugby players, England rugby players using it and their nutritionists advising them to use it. So we had such good um, press and we never had PR company, but it looked like yeah. we did because we were everywhere, which was incredible. So I think that's kind of how we built our following. What's quite interesting is, I guess, a few things that you've shared with us there, and some of them are really nice take-home messages. I mean, the first one, you said that when you started the business, you were 22, mm -hmm. and you didn't feel overly comfortable being the face at the time. You, were, it was, you mentioned it was a business to keep your dad busy that you were yeah. part of. Um, I think what's nice for people to see is when they start their career, whether it's as an employee or to set up their own business mm -hmm. as an entrepreneur, you don't have to know all the answers. You don't have to be the most confident person yeah. in the room. You have to have an idea which you are passionate about because of your own prior um, celiac from when you were 18 months. I think that's the thing that people can take inspiration from that. You don't have to have all the answers. And, and I say this all the time today, so look, even to the guys that work me, there's 50 of us here and I say, look, I don't know all the answers. We are figuring them out together. Mm. All I yeah. want people to be is solution focused. I, how can we make this work as opposed yeah. to what are the reasons why we can't? So there's a lot of comfort I think people can take in that. And, and when you're talking about social media, what I loved is, as you say, it's not the follower count and, and how great things are to the outside world in this Instagram world where we all want it to look shiny and no one says yeah. bad things anymore. Um, you've actually had a real level of engagement with people mm -hmm. at a personal level, following up, asking conversations. You used the word twice, customer service. Mm -hmm. I think people need to remember that customer service is so important in what yeah. we do. And it's nice that you took a personal interest. And I think that's why it's grown. And I would say that's absolutely why you've been able to build and work with other endorsers like Joe Wicks and stuff at the start of their career. They yeah. see that you're trying to build a brand like they're trying mm -hmm. to build their brands and, People need to remember that surround themselves with like-minded people that want to move ahead in life and yeah. you'll be able to achieve achieve what you're doing. So that's really nice to see. And if I if I go back even further to, to, mm -hmm. to the beginning of the story, so day one, you you and your dad have got this side, your dad's doing the business side and you're supporting mm -hmm. getting the social out there. Um 
the hurdles to getting that product to market, even though, as you say, you want to get a better quality, cheaper product than the competition that are out there mm. right now, it still can't be easy procuring the ingredients, being happy with it, making sure that it's in what you like and then having enough money to get it out. How did you overcome those early hurdles? So for us, it was quite um, a different, it was really like our sort of breakthrough moment was before we even had the product to market. Um, my dad called up Sainsbury's and got through to the buyer, the oil buyer, and proposed our idea of what we want to do, bringing out a fair trade, ethical coconut oil. Um, and the buyer really loved what we had to say, really loved the whole idea of it being a fair trade, ethical product, um, a family business. And he actually confirmed the product before we even had it. So they basically helped us with, we brought out the 300 mil, the 500 mil, and they, they actually said, this is what we want. Um, now, after going to so many meetings since then, that is definitely not easy. It's hard to get even an email back. So yeah. it was a very, really, really lucky moment. And he just really believed in what we had to say. But prior to that, like coconut oil is a bit like wine. Different regions taste different, differently. So yeah. we spent a long time, even though we launched in 2012, for about two years before that, it was looking into ways of importing it over um, trying different coconut oils. Um, as I said, like they will taste different. And we ended up going with one from the Philippines just because it's so naturally coconut flavored and it, smell, it, it smells beautiful. Um, and the fair trade side of it, we work with the Fair, uh, fair Trade Sustainability Alliance, so the Fair yeah. TSA. And the reason we chose them is that all the money goes back to them. So rather okay. than it going in one pot and it sort of gets distributed all over, they get the money um, completely. So from the Philippines, it's really helped with like solar power. There's no animal cruelty, no child labor. Um, there's um, helping with farming, insurance of their crops and themselves. And you really see firsthand how the premium helps. And we just paint an extra 10%, uh, and sorry, an extra 10% on the coconut uh, produce to get it over. And that just makes such a difference. So there was a lot of working out how to do it in the early days. Um, and then with Sainsbury's taking it on, we just thought, let's do it. My mum and dad um, sold a flat in Hartford. They had a flat where we live. Um, probably shouldn't say Hartford, but um, <laughs> they sold a flat and we used that money to buy the first lot of coconut products yeah. and then bought it in. And it actually just kind of took off from there, really. So I love how much of a family affair it is and how everybody's taking a risk here like yeah. the tenacity of your dad to get through to a buy in one thing tells yeah. me that not just he believes in it but he believed in you as well because you were mm -hmm. in it together um but taking the risk to sell something to to release equity in order to be able to purchase the first that to me is what people forget these days when they think yeah. actually just go on social media you become an overnight success or, mm -hmm. or people i'm sure could turn around and say well you've got a great following people buy your product you've worked hard to get there and look at that yeah family have sold a flat in order to get money to do that they yeah. really rolled the dice there and it's it's a bit we, to be honest in the beginning and the very early days we were like naive and we just went for it and it was pretty easy and it went well, it was amazing. Um, obviously, the times have changed and the market now is a saturated market, no pun intended, and yeah. it is just filled with coconut products or other products and margins and um, expectations have changed. So although in the early days, it was really like, this is great, like not really having to do much, it kind of, two or three years in, it's it definitely changed and it's been more of a struggle in recent years. Um, but, you know, I think if you're passionate about what you do, you just continue it. 
That's let's be honest. Yes, those things are all, I think any young business and new business needs to be agile as it grows in order to mm-hmm. stay afloat. But, and a lot of businesses don't succeed in the first few years. And, and likewise, as an employee yeah. looking for work, sometimes it takes a long time to build that bigger career. You don't get it instantly. But what you've done is you've been true to your customers. And I think mm-hmm. as an employee, you need to be true to who you are as a person. I think that's very important, what, like you've done with your brand. Mm-hmm. And you've had to come out with other ideas and innovations to keep yeah. moving ahead. And the fact that you're still here eight years on making a real success of it that's a great story and it's the same with anybody looking for a job when Mm -hmm. you start your career you're not overnight success you need to build it and keep building it learn new skills try new things just like you've brought out new product We're going to take a quick mid-podcast break. Um, it's been brilliant finding out about Lucy's brand story today and how she took a personal challenge from when she was younger to a possible part-time business with her father to the business that it is today that embraces the world of social media. So I um, hope you're enjoying it. In the meanwhile, just during this break, please do head over to the Recruiter Ricky website. Um, There's lots and lots of videos about different things like writing your CVs, preparing for interviews, being careful of your social media. Check out all of those things because they're really useful to help people to get hired. Um, And if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Don't just listen to this, subscribe to it. And I'd love a review. Some of the reviews have told us that people have got jobs. So if you're somebody who's using this advice to get a job, we want to hear from you. Right. Enough from me. Let's go back over to the podcast, the lockdown edition of podcast with Lucy B from Lucy B. So let's move a little bit closer to now. Um, Eight years on, we've looked at the the early stage of getting it going, but but you're a business owner. I'm a business owner. COVID-19 hits. All of a sudden, it's Mm -hmm. like, Christ, we need to keep a business going. We've got customers. We've got staff, whatever it might be, to try and look after and help. How have you been able to keep positive and keep your business going afloat during these difficult times? I think for us, it's been a really weird time for us because we launched the skincare range in February um, and we already had quite a loyal customer base from when we had previously launched it and so people have been buying the products because everyone's got into their wellness self-care and feeling good for themselves so that side of the business has been doing really well and we've been really happy um, with new customers coming to the shop we'd really spent the last two years building our e-commerce shop so we're ready for this and in our warehouse I call it a warehouse it's 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 like a shed it's a small little room and we have a husband and wife working in there so they were able to continue working we obviously had to sort of slow down orders but I was spending my evenings and weekends packing orders as well so we've made it work Um, and then on the other side we have the grocery products which unfortunately with the stockpiling and everything else they everyone went crazy for them and our shipment from Manila was delayed so we still haven't got the product so we're out of stock with a lot of our groceries Um, a lot of the supermarkets have been understanding but obviously after time it's getting frustrating where we haven't got the products we physically haven't got any products um, to give but I think you know we've been lucky enough we've actually kept on all our staff we we're a family business and four of those who work here are family and yeah skincare we needed everyone to work I've got four more products launching by September so we've been busy and we use this time although there have have been really stressful moments we've really used this time to just get everything going organizing for the next sort of products or whatever it is all the little bits that we should have been learning before spending time educating ourselves and I think we just tried to, I think you have to stay positive, even when it's negative. If you get in a negative state, 
you'll never end up getting a good result from it. So it's important to just keep going. And, you know, it's not easy. I'm not saying that, but it's just carrying on um, and not giving up. I'm a huge believer in the power of positivity. And I've got to say, you've had every reason right now to be negative, to mm -hmm. moan, to let the stress get on top of you. But you are constantly smiling, even on this podcast. I can see you're constantly smiling. You've got the energy for what you do. Um, you're constantly happy, productive, and mm -hmm. keeping a level of good well-being and, and fitness to yourself on your social. So yeah. I've got to say credit to you because people Thank do you. like that. And I like the fact that how I read it from what you're saying is you're focusing on not letting customers down on focusing on what you can do better next, yeah. which yeah. is getting you through this time. And that itself is a great message to anyone that has a company or is somebody who's looking for a job yeah. because they've been victim to difficult Definitely. circumstances that actually keep looking at the end product, keep looking at the end result and keep working really, really yeah. hard. It's definitely it. not always, you know, smiles and happy days, yeah. but I've had weeks where I've just felt rubbish, but I think once you, if you let yourself get in that state, you will not be able to sort of see past it. And I think like, that's why I love the gym now. I go to the gym, because not so much for my physical, but my mental state. And I think going back to like people that are applying for jobs before Lucy B and way before my skincare, I got rejected from so many jobs. I did so many jobs. I didn't like them. They weren't, they weren't right for me, but all of those bits I've taken key things from. So anyone in that state, like I remember crying so much because someone else had said they didn't want me to work at their company. And now I look back and I learned every single bit you learn something from and it's actually taking yeah. that and using it for next time. It's not always easy when you're feeling rubbish, but actually use that, learn from it and grow and you will get to where you need to be. And I really do think that. I think with the world we live in at the moment, which I know everyone says this a lot and I'm sure they beat mm -hmm. it. It is instant gratification and that's the world of the digital world. We can all get access to information and answers yeah. on our fingertips and you see the stories of someone being a no one then tomorrow morning they're Mark Zuckerberg, which is yeah. one in, a, in several, several billion actually get to that point. Mm -hmm. um, I do think people need to remember that we all get lots of rejection in life. And sometimes we might not want the rejection, mm -hmm. but actually you can learn from it. And, and, and I, um, I say this quite a bit on that rejection to me should move to redirection. If you are rejected, direct mm -hmm. yourself to something else and hopefully it's a better yeah. outcome for you. And sometimes I think people in their careers, they need to do lots of different jobs. And, yeah. and at, at, whether it's at the bottom, doesn't matter what level it is, to learn what they do and don't like and who they actually are as Definitely. a person. And I love the fact that you say that all those different jobs over the year have helped you to do what you do today. Definitely. Um, and a lot of people seem to think, particularly I think first careers, so whether that's a graduate or school leave, it doesn't matter what level, they think mm -hmm. the first job's gonna be the job that they end their career in. And to yeah. be blunt, um, there aren't such things as there used to be as careers for life anymore. Sometimes, mm -hmm. actually, you need multiple careers to end up on the one that really is yeah, your chosen definitely. vocation. Definitely. Um, My mum and dad used to be like, Lucy, not again. I'm like, no, this isn't for me anymore. I'm moving on. <laughs> you, learn, you learn so much working with different people, different areas. You just, you really do learn so much from it. I'm not saying, obviously, if you're in your job for life, that is incredible and good on you. But equally, don't worry if you are yeah. sort of, still finding your feet with it it's not easy as like oh yeah you leave school and off you go I left school at 16 so I had quite a long time jumping from job to job to get to where I am today <laughs> and, and now you're Lucy B the, yeah. the face of Lucy B right <laughs> <laughs> so let's think about um advice for people that are trying to either get employed or hire people mm -hmm. and yes your business is a family business and I'm assuming that your dad didn't interview you and you guys didn't interview the two other members of your family I'll right. make that assumption that you 
that you that you knew them well enough that you didn't have to interview them. Mm -hmm. But you referenced a few other people in the company. I think there were two in your warehouse. Was it there's yeah. a husband and wife? Yeah. Um, and what's nice is they've still been working during this time because the yeah. impact as an employee you could have made them is if you put them both on furlough or let mm -hmm. them go that's two people in the household that both lost their ring it's nice yeah. to see they've had that so in terms of when you're looking to appoint people that have helped you to get to where you are today mm -hmm. what did you look for in the person and and second question what do you look for if they give you a cv to read so for me it's so important um that it's someone that's adaptable they're easy to get on with and they've got an actual interest in the job and um, they need to have like a some sort of passion for what, what, what they're gonna do or what they're applying for. And I think it is being able to sort of help in all areas. I think we're obviously different as a business. There's 10 of us here, but everyone gets involved in everything. We've all got our key things, you know, we've all got our strong points that we really focus on, but everyone works together. So for me, it's really someone that is happy to sort of muck in if we need a little bit of help in the warehouse. But yeah, you might be also doing sales for the supermarket. So it's someone that can be quite flexible in their approach um, but, and also have a genuine passion for it. And what about, so that's, that's the person and you could mm -hmm. see that if you met them, whether that's an interview or however yeah. that is. What if they literally said, Lucy B, love your brand. This is how much I love the brand, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. Whatever they present to you to get in front of you. Yeah. Have a look at my resume, my CV. What, what, what will jump out to you on that bit of paper? unfortunately there's no personality there's no person yeah, that's, yeah. i think for me it is seeing what they've done before so their past experience and tying that into how they'll be able to help i don't always think it's necessary that they have to have the skill like obviously they'll need the skills if it's graphic design they'll need the, the skills but actually it's seeing what they've done before how long they've been at each job for um, yeah. and what, what those key bits are that are going to help us as a business to move forward. That's what I really look for. In a team. You're looking for them to show you a bit of loyalty and a number of different ingredients that, that yeah. you hire. And one thing I liked that you shared about the person that you hire is um, I think it's true for any SME company, any small and medium size mm -hmm. enterprise. When we hire staff, we hire people, yes, to do a job that we've defined is the job mm. that we do, but they have to be adaptable enough to do anything. I mean, I, yeah. an example, um, I've started getting my office socially distanced and I've got a couple of people in here to test it. First mm -hmm. thing I did when I turned up this morning, I turned up, left my house um, and I bought the watering can because all the poor plants in the office have had a tough time during oh, this no. period. So everyone's turned up thinking, what, what are you doing? And, and, and I'm watering the plants first. Yeah. It is a reality that the small yeah. organizations, you, we're not saying you need to be a jack of all trades, but you need to yeah. be able to help out whatever the task yeah. is to get the job done. And I think people, when they go to work for a company, sometimes they forget that. They think mm -hmm. that the job description is my job. Actually, you're a part of the company. Yeah. Um, and, and it's good to have together. confidence, but not where you think you're better than. I hate that in, in a person, like when they think they're too good to do something like, in the early days of lockdown, we were busy with orders. I spent every Saturday and Sunday packing orders. I love that. I don't think, and I'm only using that as an example because it's like, oh, there's the warehouse, there's the office. Not like for me, every every job is as important because it gets us to where we are today. And I think that's something that's really key for me. So, and I always sense that from a, not so much the CV, but when you see someone respond to stuff, if they're a bit like, oh no, like I only do this, I'm like, okay, well, sorry. On to the next. As, as a very socially savvy person, I mean social media here. Yeah. Are you auditing or checking and looking at that person, looking them up on Insta, 
Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, whatever it might be. Are you, are you having a look at that to try and get a bit of a better feel for the person before you give them the job? Um, uh, it depends what it is, like uh, what, what the job is. Um, sometimes, but no, not really. I'm just too, I'm, I'm just like always busy. So I don't really yeah. have time. I like go for, if it's obviously if they're doing like graphic design or food, when we were looking for someone for social media, I would because I'd want to see what sort of stuff they're posting. Yeah. Um, but no, not really. We, normally I get in quite a few interviews as well. I like to do like a good few days of interviews to really yeah. see the potential and be able to sort of map out and then do like a follow-up interview as well, just to make sure. So um, what type of interviewer are you? Are you the um, Claude Littner of the world, who's like a bulldog of people when he interviews them? Are you the person that makes someone so relaxed that you what do kind you of... Think? <laughs> Well, I, I I'm, the, you, I'm the chilled out. I say, please come <laughs> for an informal chat. You're a good cop. You're I a good want, cop. I, honestly, like, obviously, if someone's sort of giving it back or they're they're being a bit like, I don't know. But to be honest, I'm I'd rather people feel relaxed because at the end of the day, I want to get on with this person. I want everyone in the office to get on with them. And I've done it before. I went for interviews and I was not me because I could just tell the sort of person that they probably wanted. And yeah. I, I left the job after a couple of days because I pretended to be someone that I wasn't and it doesn't, um, it doesn't work out. So I think for me, I'd rather them feel completely relaxed and that's either going to be a good thing or it might be actually, no, this, this isn't going to work yeah. out. But I'd rather that approach. And again, this is not my area. Like I, I'm really not the best person uh, for recruiting. So I might not be telling the best advice, but that's just yeah. my approach to it in how I like to well, talk about it. Let's be honest, as a as a family brand mm -hmm. um fair trade conscious company yeah if you were the the bulldog in an interview yeah. where you to me it wouldn't be representative of your brand and i mm. think a lot of people forget that interviews should be two ways so you yeah. are presenting your brand to the person and actually the best way to do that is to get it onto an even playing field and and and, and, and have a conversation or interview so um what i loved is you kind of said it is interviews are about being yourself. Mm -hmm. And I, I always used to look back at, um, and this is many years ago, but I remember the original um, Big Brothers. They were a social experiment to get people, interesting people. And then what it turned into yeah. is people who faked it to get on it and then weren't themselves. And you could see that. And yeah. an interview can feel like an artificial environment. And mm -hmm. you are your person when you start the job. And it doesn't surprise you if you said you, you, you were someone else to get the job and then left very shortly. That happens yeah. a lot. So, I guess the advice to people is be yourself at the interview. Definitely. If the person doesn't like you, you don't want to work there. Yeah. So the fact whether they give you the job or not, they don't. You don't want to work there. We did like we were chatting about this um, the other day. I met my friend and her husband had an interview, and he was really worried about it. And she was the other friend we were out with. She said, "Actually, like, what if he thought? Why does he want to work? It's both. It's a two-way yeah. thing. Although you want to work, you need to. You, you know, you want that." job and they might want you but actually it's a two-way thing and it needs to be that like you know you, it's, it's a job that you're going to be in yeah. for hopefully a, a while so you want to feel good there and comfortable and I always use I always say it's the difference between a job and a career a career is one that you want to be in for a longer period and you kind yeah. of want to build up that career ladder and as a result you need to feel comfortable in that environment and they need to accept you for who you are Definitely. if you just want a job to serve a purpose make a bit of cash tick a mm. box or whatever yeah. then do what it takes to get it but it's not going to be long lasting so yeah um I hope your friends either oh. was offered the job and said no if they didn't like them I don't actually them know to be honest I'll find <laughs> out <laughs> 
you should definitely find out. And I talk to companies about this all day long and, and, and I recruit in an industry, which is the pharmaceutical industry, which mm-hmm. mainly makes medicines, but also makes consumer products. Yeah. And it's a big difference between the medicines company that are very old school, one dimensional mm-hmm. with interviewing and the consumer good product, which is brand orientated and people yeah. focused. So there's a difference between technical interviews and, and behaviors. And mm-hmm. but I always say, look, skills one thing your cv gives that wills another thing that's Mm -hmm. your personality so um get in touch with them after see if they got the job and you know i really hope that they went in there realized that that person wasn't accepting them they were offered the job and they said no because they realized it wasn't for them that's what i hope to an extent (laughs) and that will be the company learning so any other bits of advice you give to people either at the beginning of their career later of their career whether they want to set up a company or just get a job any advice to, to help them in the future I think it's obviously really important to understand what you want to achieve with your product and you know what is your USP like with the product and also setbacks are going to happen people think they go to me oh Lucy like I'd love to do what you're doing and although I love it I wouldn't change it for the world we've had many setbacks it's not all easy and you know it's not one straight line it's all crisscrosses, you're up at late at night, I'm up early in the hours of the morning writing notes on my phone and or whatever it is, trying to come up with some solutions. Um, but it's just being always staying true to yourself in whatever circumstances and just really knowing that I think setbacks set you apart from your competitors. If you can, co- can overcome them, them, then you can do anything because you're never going to give up, you're a fighter. And I think that's something I would say, starting a business is not easy. You might think you're going to go on holiday more. You might think you're going to have more time when actually it is the complete opposite. But if you're passionate and you love it and it's what you want to do, you'll continue to do it. And I think that's the thing, like have a genuine interest in what you're doing um, from the start. I mean, some people might just want to do something to make money. That's wicked, like good on you. But for me, like where I have got a passion for it, I'm talking from that side. And I think if you love it, you won't give up regardless of what kind of gets in your way. So I think that's kind of my... I couldn't agree with you more, Lucy. I speak to a lot of people trying to set up a company quite often and I ask them why. Mm. And there I say, the minute the answer is, I want to make money, yeah. I want to be the, I want to be my own boss and make loads of money. I'm like, you're in it yeah. for the wrong reasons. Your, your customers or consumers will not buy and engage with you if you're yeah. in it for completely selfish reasons. I mean, I look at myself, I studied biochemistry. I wanted to help medicines to save lives. I was mm-hmm. just crap at science. And now I yeah. help science to come together by connecting people. Um, that's all I care about. I wouldn't want to recruit for something outside. I couldn't mm-hmm. recruit for a company that built, I don't know, plastics for, for, for nothing. It has yeah. to have a real purpose. And I think more people these days, it's purpose-led. That's what makes us more engaged with what mm-hmm. we do. It's something where we feel happy, we feel part of something, Definitely. not just the, the functional reasons. Um, no, I really like that. And, and what, what I love about your story and what you do is um, you focus on brands and, and, and the product behind it, but that's mm-hmm. so relatable to people being their own brand or people being their own product, which is yeah. the skills they take to a job. Know what you want to do and try and find the ways to build it and stay true to it. I think that yeah. that's such an honest way of looking at it. Any other pearls of wisdom that can help people on their journeys? Uh, what else is there? I, I think it's obviously getting a good team around you is very important. Um, so even in the early days, if you've got someone that can support you behind the scenes, so someone to talk to, having your own business can be a lonely place at times. And, yes. um, you know, you, you, sometimes where you've got everything on your shoulders and you're worrying about everything, you know, financially, is it going to work? All the sort of ifs and buts and what ifs. It's, you know, it is quite a daunting area. And even sort of later on, it can get quite 
lonely because people think, oh, well, you're, you're up there and you, yeah. know, you don't need someone to ask you if you're all right. So I think it's always having someone that you can trust and confide in, whether that's someone at home or someone who's good in business, but having someone that you can really rely on when you just need a really down-to-earth chat um, just to let off your how you're feeling and things. I think that's really important. Um, and I assume that's finding trust. someone who's honest with you as well, not yeah, just definitely. people that just say the great things when you know it's not great. It's people who are like, yeah. what were you thinking? What were you doing? Be real with yourself. Yeah, that that's so true. And it is, it's like, you know, we're all, we're human. We make mistakes. We do great things. And yeah. actually having someone that will be like, do you know what? That's a bad move or that's yeah. great. And I have like some of the stuff I'm quite aware of, obviously, where I am the face of the brand. There's some stuff I'd love to get involved in on social media, and I am more vocal with stuff, but equally, sometimes there's like I'm a brand and I have to be aware of that. I mean, so it's, and I'll speak to one of my friends, and she's like, just leave it for now, sleep on it, see how you feel tomorrow, or whatever it is. I think having someone you can confine in, and just uh, the main thing is always stay true to yourself. Yeah. You, I think I've got a massive like thing on gut, like your gut instincts. Yeah. If you, feel it's right for you do it but don't let anyone sort of manipulate or change things for you um, don't let anyone hold you back yeah just go for it honestly go for it i was so stressing about this podcast but i've loved it so don't <laughs> don't say no say yes to everything unless it's not the right thing for you <laughs> <laughs> of course yeah say no to some things there but, yeah. <laughs> but, but, but the things you really want. message there but you know go for it. <laughs> no but uh, generally thank you so much for talking me through your story okay. because I particularly love the fact that we started companies in the same year and it's great yeah. to see how people evolve and do different things. And I love the way that you've been able to build your confidence through what you're doing, become mm -hmm. a face of the brand, enable the social digital world, but still keep true to that family values you've always yeah. had. And I think people in their careers, whether they want to run companies, represent brands or just be a great employee, have to do exactly the same. So Thank you. We're going to move okay. over in a minute. Once we conclude this, we're going to do our quick fire session in the moment. Which I'm really looking forward to doing with you. But in the meanwhile, good luck with everything else that you're doing during these times. I do Thank wish you. you good luck for the extra product ranges that you're coming out of later this year. And hopefully when this is all over, um, we can meet up and say hello. Cause that'd be nice. Definitely. Well. Definitely. That'd be lovely. No, thank you. Okay, well, thanks great. for your time, Lucy. Good luck with the rest of the brand. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the podcast, guys. That was the main interview. That's now concluded. But I wanted to leave you with something additional. Every guest that I interview, I ask them quickfire questions. These are questions to look at a CV, to look at what they look for during an interview, to understand how a candidate more successfully onboards into a company. What I don't do is make it easy for my guests. These are quickfire questions gut reaction quickest response is the most honest response hopefully in doing so we're going to unearth some nuggets of information that are going to help you to more successfully get hired enjoy hey everyone it's that time of the podcast now it's my quick fire question session with lucy b from lucy b the brand lucy b um so lucy just a reminder of the rules i've got 20 questions yeah. i'm going to fire them at you one after another i would like a quick concise and honest response to each question if you mm -hmm. go on too long i'll move on to the next question and if you can't think of something quickly or not sure just say pass and we'll move on to another but okay. um i i'm looking forward to doing this with you <laughs> I are am you well. ready <laughs> yeah i'm ready cool right what does the word entrepreneur mean to you someone who is resilient when you're preparing for any big picture or meeting what's the one question you ask yourself what will they bring to us? What characteristics do you look for in a person when you hire? Someone who is flexible, adaptable and passionate. 
what advice would you give to someone if they're considering hiring the perfect CV, but the person interviewed terribly? Don't do it, unless you see a glimpse of something good in them, otherwise don't do it. What's been your biggest mistake when hiring? Going on what they can do rather than their personality. So CV questions now. What's the first thing you look for in a CV? Experience. What engages you to actually read the whole CV? I never normally get to the bottom of the CV. <laughs> What's the best way to leave a lasting impression on you from a CV? Genuine interest in the job. If you had one bit of advice to somebody writing a CV tonight to apply to a job tomorrow, what would that be? Show willingness and really explain why you want the job. What's the one thing people seem to leave off their CV? Pass. Sorry. What's the <laughs> worst thing you've seen in a CV? The wrong name. The wrong Slightly different name. question, but what's the most annoying thing you've seen in a CV? Um, spelling mistakes or when it's wrong information for a previous person they plan to give the CV to. I agree, actually, and I don't normally comment, but I completely oh, agree. Sorry. Some interview questions. What's the first thing you look for in a person at an interview? A passion or genuine interest in the job, showing willingness to want, what, want the job in hand. And after the interview started, what engages you to stay engaged through the whole interview? Someone that actually listens to what I'm saying or what the other person is saying. What's the best way someone can leave a lasting impression with you at the end of an interview? Really showing that they've known what they're applying for and about the brand itself. And if somebody was preparing this evening for an interview tomorrow, what piece of advice would you give them? Oh, sorry. What's the one interview question you think people struggle with? What they think they're worth. What's the worst thing somebody's done in front of you during an interview? Having their phone on the table and when it flashes up, they keep looking at it and just and are distracted by it. <laughs> What's the most annoying thing someone's done during an interview? Not in the interview, but when people turn up late and they hardly apologise or seem that bothered, or bothered by it. It just starts the, the interview on a bad stance. And the final question, what is your killer interview question? What do you think you're going to bring to the brand that we're not already doing? What can you give us that's different to what we've already got? Love it. That's the quick fire questions. You've already heard the podcast. So the last thing for me to ask is, can you please subscribe to the channel? And more importantly, could you leave me a review? The best thing about reading reviews, not only are the positive and kind comments, but most importantly, hearing how you've actually been able to use this advice to get yourself hired. So thank you. Subscribe, review. Good luck.